Welcome, friends, to episode 200 of the Ink to Film podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm Luke. And I'm James. And this week we're going to play a couple of games, uh, the first line game and a game. I don't know if you have a name for it or not, James. Did you come up with a name for it? No, I, I really didn't. Yeah. <laughs> a movie quote game, uh, adaptation line game. Um, and then uh, we're going to talk about uh, our favorite episodes and read some feedback and then talk about our lives and how they've changed over the course of the last four years. There's a lot to, to look back on 200 episodes over four years or so. I think a lot has changed um, for the both of us. Uh, but to start us off, one of my fondest memories is that we launched this podcast, the first episode dropped during a solar eclipse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I God, I remember that too, man. You you mentioned this to me the other day and, and like it had slipped my mind, but you saying it just just gave me this vivid memory of walking outside my apartment complex and just seeing the world go dark. Like it didn't go pitch black because we weren't in the direct line, but we were pretty close here in Portland. So it got real dark and it's just this surreal moment, right? This is not something you you might ever experience again. And to think that that coincided with the launch of the podcast is is a pretty, pretty fun thing. I I like wrote some stuff about it because I was really thinking about this. And I I think that's why it always affected me and why I brought it up to you is because like, you know, clearly wasn't intentional. We didn't plan for the episode to come out on the eclipse. But with like the you know we both grew up in the space coast and like like space and just like things bigger than myself have always been something that's like made me think and there's the fact that like something that massive coincided with the release of the first episode just like it kind of meant something to me and then what we were covering at the time was it and there's like sort of an inter extra dimensional yeah. like sort of larger than life feature to that story and it, it just makes me think of like you know there's something important about that at least even if mm-hmm. it's just the significance for like us <laughs> yeah man i'm totally with you uh it's just a fun bit of trivia honestly that i didn't i don't think i fully appreciated at the time you know how monumental that was going to be because like we didn't know how long we would do the podcast for it was like we were both excited about it and we didn't have an end date or anything but we were like we'll do it until we don't want to anymore and here we here we're still going 200 episodes later pretty amazing um before we get any farther i'm going to go ahead and open up a special beverage i have here uh, I don't know if you can see it on camera. Oh yeah, it looks a little bit like champagne. Yeah, I got a little, little. Uh, what do they call them? Split of champagne. So we're gonna do a very delicate process here of opening a bottle of champagne around my computer. Point it towards your monitor. Yeah. <laughs> um, this this champagne bottle has been in my fridge for a while. It's been waiting for an opportunity for an occasion to to get opened. So uh, here we are. We've finally come to the time. <laughs> There we are. Very nice. Hopefully you heard that. I thought you were just going to launch it. You were just going to poke your finger into it, shoot it up into the ceiling, and pour foam all over yourself. Yeah. Do a little pour ASMR. Think you can hear that? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I can hear it. Uh, Unfortunately, I did not uh, uh, coordinate this with you, so you you don't have champagne on your end, but uh, you do have something, right? Yeah, I'm drinking a a pretty sizable um, Glencairn of Peat Monster Scotch. Nice. The Pete Monster is a good one. Well, cheers, buddy, to 200 cheers. episodes. Can't really clink mm. <laughs> remotely. So 200 episodes of the podcast, uh, just real quick, that breaks down to 80 projects. 
which and then seven special episodes, including this one. Of those 200 episodes, 25 of them have featured a guest. So roughly, or no, exactly one in eight <laughs> we've had a guest on, um, which is an interesting rate. I don't know why we've been, it seems like kind of random, but that's just how it's worked out. So every eight episodes, every two months or so we have a guest on. <laughs> That's nice. I mean, that's a nice way to think of it, for sure. Yeah, I guess. Um, oh, and by the way, we have also put out 39 going on 40, which will coming out, be coming out soon, uh, Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes. So 200 is a little bit misleading when you can when you count that in, but um, it's it's a lot of recordings, and uh, I think we've definitely learned a lot along the way. I mean, definitely. We were so... Uh naive i feel like if you know i think if you if oh yeah we had any idea how large of a task this was going to be over so many years and so much time dedicated i think it would be scary i, I you know i don't know not to say that we wouldn't have done it but it just would have been like more i don't know more massive a task to take on um but i think the organic way of going about it is is the way to do it i think you, you know early on in those episodes you can hear us kind of struggle our way through it and you know not to say any episodes are necessarily bad but there were there have been so many anecdotal stories we could we and I think this is a time to tell a time to celebrate. So yeah, I think so. We get we can disclose some of the some of the secrets. <laughs> yeah, and I have a pretty wild one that I, I and wild is going to be a funny joke here in a second. But let me when, let me stop you real quick, just because there's one thing I want to do before I forget. Okay. Um, real quick uh, to celebrate 200 episodes before James gets to his story. Um, we are going to be opening up our Discord to non-patrons, right? If, if for a while it's been exclusive to Patreon, we're going to open it up to non-patrons. Uh, in order to get on there, though, you're going to need the link. I'll post the link in the Council of Inklings on Facebook. Or if you would like to get it, you can always reach out to us directly on any of our social media accounts. Send us a DM, tweet at us or whatever. We'll, we'll make sure you get that link so that you can join up. Um, yeah, open to anybody who's not a patron now. We're hoping to get that Discord growing a little bit. Should be fun. Talk about adaptations. You can share your thoughts and opinions with us. We're on there pretty frequently interacting with folks. So um, yep. we'd love to have you on there. If that interests you, make sure to check out our social medias uh, at Ink to Film on basically everything. So to get to the story, it's it's pretty wild. And uh, it was early on in the podcast. The project literally was Where the Wild Things Are, the Spike Jones film. Mm -hmm. And... I uh, had been camping with friends, got way, way, way too drunk, which I don't recommend because I ended up blacking out. Very dangerous. S sucks. Not a good time. But, uh, you know, this was like, I don't know, 30 episodes into the podcast, maybe. <laughs> anyway, uh, I was super hungover the next morning, drove back from the camping trip and uh, was extremely, extremely tired and hungover in that recording. So I yeah. think that would be a funny thing if like if someone listened to that episode <laughs> now to know that like it was it was a struggle. I remember there were points when I just like had my head down in my I was like sort of laying in my arms yeah. on the desk and uh, Luke was like saying something and then I would pop up to say something and go back down. <laughs> but the show had to go on in that in that scenario. I think that it was the only window we had to record and we needed to get it out. So yeah, for whatever reason, we had to do it. Um, it was the dedication early, though. Yeah, like, I remember being a little bit annoyed with you, but uh, also yeah. also pleased that you were able to get through it. You know, I, I give you credit for that, gutting it out. Um yeah, I mean, getting blackout drunk right before you're going to record an episode of a podcast seems like a bad idea. I assume you haven't uh, had any repeat occasions since then. <laughs> no, honestly, that was a, I made a pact to myself that day. Yeah, not that I, you know, I was in college, obviously, um, you know, bef prior to the podcast, but yeah, 
And you're you're younger than me. I have to remind myself because yeah, that's not yeah. anything I could have done in the last five years. <laughs> and so like I'm at I, you know that was the point in my life that was a turning point where it's never happened and it will never happen again. So it was right. just one of those things where I had to get it out of my system one one last time right before recording for the podcast. So. Yeah, I guess so, so. That's a funny one. Yeah, I have a few little things like that, and and honestly, it went a lot into my choices for the episodes that I'll choose later. Um, so I'll I'll be sharing some behind the scenes stuff. Um, for me, because that that went a lot into my choice for like what made an episode a favorite, right? Um, but I, you you have another one you wanted to talk about. I have one. Th- this is another one. This is you know again kind of self inflicted, but this time I had my wisdom teeth removed, and um, we had a guest Fonda Lee come on, and it was episode sixty eight, Godfather Part Two, and I had gotten my wisdom teeth out that day. And recorded an episode and was like being very careful not to like sort of do anything with like the stitching or whatever they did. I was in no pain, but it was just a weird process. And like Fonda was very understanding. You were on a lot of drugs at the time. Yeah. You were (laughs) painkillers. I actually don't remember taking a ton of painkillers or anything like that. But whatever they had given me from the extraction was still lingering when we were. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Because I remember you were like loopy, a little bit loopy. I think you did a good job. Once again, I think you gutted it out. So, you know, I, you know, I'll, I'll share one since we're disclosing some of these things, um, way back, I believe it's episode eight. I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong. It's the part two of, uh, where, uh, do androids dream of electric sheep by Philip K. Dick. We lost half that recording. And this was really early on in the podcast. And we didn't realize until we were basically finishing the episode and we looked down, or we looked at our, our recordings and realized that half of it was gone. For whatever reason, it had paused and didn't start, rec- didn't resume. I think we had a drop call or something. Anyway, beside the point, we lost it. And we were like, oh, fuck, what do we do now? And this was so early on in the podcast, like, we honestly, we didn't, ha- we couldn't think of options. All we could think to do was like, well, time to re-record that conversation so we went into the second half of that episode and we just tried to kind of have the same conversation that we had just mm-hmm. had, which if you can imagine what that's like, it's very weird. Um, and we tried to hit some of the same points. I'm sure there was some variation. There's no way we had the exact same conversation. But man, it was uh, it was a really unfortunate and just like it was kind of a slog to get through and i I have a feeling you can notice that on the recordings it doesn't feel as genuine and what sucks is that those 30 minutes that we lost or or so was the best 30 minutes of podcasting we've ever done yeah i'm I'm sure of course (laughs) no one will ever hear it and it's just like it was potentially the greatest 30 minutes of podcasting of all time so yeah and i'm amazed that sort of thing hasn't happened much since but we honestly got a lot more careful after that um just double checking everything and and we learned our lesson so Um, anyway, we are going to play a game now, which I'm actually very excited about, although I think I might do poorly because I'd have a bad memory, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see about that. But yeah, just, uh, we want to thank you all for joining us for 200 episodes. Um, you know, obviously we wouldn't still be doing this if we didn't have listeners who have been supporting us along the way and been listening to us, downloading the episodes, engaging with us online. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, it means a lot to us. And, uh, we were lucky enough to get some people who wrote in with some uh, responses. We put out a question asking people for their favorite moments or episodes and to tell us a little bit about their lives, which was optional. Um, some people chose to. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to intersperse our game with a few of those. We'll, we'll stop and read a few of them here or there um, just to show our appreciation for everybody who's, who's stuck, stuck with us along the way. Um, so let's talk about the game that we sort of came up with. Um, although I actually can't claim credit for mine. I've tweaked it a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to be playing the opening lines game with you, James. Um, and this is a game that I first heard about on, uh, Murphy Napier's YouTube channel. She's a booktuber, um, who has a good channel I subscribe to, and you should all check it out. Um, she played this game on there. She did it a little bit differently, but, um, it gave me the idea because I was like, oh, this would be fun to do with James. Um, basically what we're going to do is I'm going to go through books that we've read. I'm going to read you the opening line. And then I'm going to give you points. And I've basically divided them into three difficulty categories, easy, medium, and hard. Uh, the easy category is worth two points, uh, one point if you need a second line. The medium category is worth four points if you get it on the first line, two points if you need a second line, one point if you need a third line. And then the hard category is worth six points if you get it on the first line, four points if you get it on the second, two points if you get it on the third. Um, it'll be up to you to choose how difficult you want to go for, but basically we're going to, we're going to compete over the course of this next section. And then at the end, we'll total up our points and see who won. Um, it's a very sort of loose, casual game, but we're taking it very seriously. (laughs) Of course, of course. So, uh, mine is similar as well. It's basically just a, uh, mostly iconic line, sometimes a little bit harder, maybe more of a deep cut from a film that we've covered. And, uh, Instead of doing extra lines after that, I will give you a separate line from somewhere else in the film if you need a hint. And in that way, we'll do sort of a similar scoring system where okay. easy gives you less points, medium would give you a little more, and hard would give you the most points. Yeah. You, you guys will figure it out as we go. Um, hopefully, you can enjoy and sort of play along with us. I think that'll be the appeal to it. Test your own memories. See if you can get it faster than us. I'm sure there will be some that you definitely do. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're ready, I think the first thing to do is give you an easy one, a softball to start things off. Um, Do you want me to read you a line first and then you'll give me the movie after? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so this is probably the easiest one I have. Just just full on, just getting the feel for the story. Here we go, or for the game. It was a pleasure to burn. That is Fahrenheit 451. Good job. I'm sure many of our listeners got that too, but I am going to give you two points for that. Two points. On the on the scoreboard, I don't know. I guess I'll keep track of the score. You know, it's funny. For a second there, I panicked. I was like, "Am I going to be able to pull the name?" And then, of course, it's it harder than you think to like pull the name of a thing for sure. So right. I, I'm curious to see how I do on your on your easy one. All right, give me a softball. Mine is yeah. Mine is going to be equally easy, but uh, it is. I have to return some videotapes. American Psycho. Yes. Okay. All right, I got. I, we got, I've at least got on the board. We're both on the board. Uh, let's read a little bit of feedback, and then we'll we'll get into uh, a, a round where we can request whatever difficulty we feel confident about. So Amanda Van Paris wrote in. I have been listening to the podcast since around November 2018, and have been a patron for two and a half years. One memory that stands out to me was James reciting Molly Weasley's Howler letter from memory. I also remember Luke talking about people meeting on World of Warcraft and online games during the Ready Player One coverage, and that was how I met my partner of almost 11 years. 2018 was the first year I'd been sober, now coming on four years. 
and in 2020 I sought treatment for bipolar disorder for the first time since a disastrous trial and error with no insurance in 2012. It got to the point where I couldn't take it anymore and I feel so much better having the disorder mostly under control. I bring this up for mental health awareness and to let people know there's no shame in getting help. Podcasts like yours really help during the hard times for a lot of people. That's really sweet. I, I yeah. you know, that, that really it's really touching to hear that we have been there for people, you know, for Amanda during a, a tough time and congratulations on four years sober. That's that's amazing to hear. Amazing. It feels so surreal knowing that like people interact with this stuff in that way and like honestly it means the world. And that howler letter, man. Uh that's yeah, right. what 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 is that is that the second Harry Potter? Chamber of Secrets. Chamber yeah. of Secrets. I, I remember you were like I think you told me like I know I can I could do this this letter if you want. And I was like, sure, go for it. I was not expecting the level of like detail you had and like the tone and the delivery. It was perfect. So yeah. Yeah. That's actually a favorite. I've heard some other people say they like that moment. So it's funny how those things, you know, you don't think anything of it when you're doing it, but people people love stuff. Like perfect. That. Okay, so Jamie D wrote in and said, I've been listening since fall twenty eighteen ish. Back then I was a newlywed and a cat mom. Since then, our family has expanded by one additional cat in 2019, Penelope, and a human baby in 2020, Evangeline. My favorite past episodes were Coraline and Good Omens. I have fond memories of listening to the It coverage while on a pre-baby road trip in January 2019. Coraline and Good Omens, It, you know, these are these are popular projects of ours. I'm glad to, to hear that uh, Jamie D was able to connect with those. And it's just so cool to think about people, you know, building a family in this amount of time and having us uh, as part of it, uh, you know, at least listening to it at times, you know, that's, it's really, that's really cool. We really appreciate it. And the, the, you know, it being so massive for the podcast, yeah. I did want to mention another like anecdotal story while we're here very quickly. Okay. So another, a, a small detail is that when we were doing our it film episode, uh, we had recorded it. I was editing it. Um, but I was editing it in a hotel room during a hurricane oh yeah in in florida and uh it was currently hitting i could look out my window and see the storm swirling and it's it was it was crazy out there and then uh we released it that night like that the the hurricane was hitting like that so that it would be there that morning and uh it was just crazy because it felt like pennywise was like upset that we were it was something (laughs) like you know this natural disaster happening to like kind of prevent almost try to prevent us from releasing the episode yeah Good stuff, man. Oh, I forgot to mention, um, I have edited these uh, emails just slightly to keep them a little shorter. So if you wrote in and you noticed that it's been changed ever so slightly, that's why. All right. So let's get to uh, another round. What difficulty would you like to choose? I'll go with medium. Medium. Okay. I'll I'll up up the ante a little bit. Once again, this is the opening lines of the novel. That's what he's trying to guess here. I am a very old man. How old I do not know. Gosh, so many, so many old men. Uh, I'm gonna say No Country for Old Men. That's incorrect. Here, I'm gonna give you another line. This is gonna be worth two points if you get it here. Possibly I am a hundred, possibly more, but I cannot tell because I have never aged as other men, nor do I remember any childhood. I'm going to say Altered Carbon. Nope. Wow. Not that. All right. Final line for one point. So far as I can recollect, I have always been a man, a man of about 30. Jeez, this is a tough one. <laughs> uh, is it Slaughterhouse-Five? 
No. All right. Uh, that one maybe was a little difficult. Uh, again, like when I'm choosing the difficulties on these, it's not scientific. It's, it's just me feeling right. like, how difficult do I think this probably is? It was a Princess of Mars. Wow. Edgar Rice Burroughs. Nice. That was a toughie. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah. That one, maybe that should have been a difficult, but regardless, you didn't get it. So. Yeah. All good. Uh, all right. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with a medium as well. Hit me with a medium. Okay. If anyone was to ask my opinion, which I note they are not, I'd say we were taking the long way around. I'm going to need a hint. I I have no guess for that. So this is for one point, and it's a separate line from somewhere else in the film. I know what I must do. It's just I'm afraid to do it. I'm going to guess no country for old men. No, not no country. Okay. So it was the Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, boy. Yeah. There's so many lines from that that I would have recognized. You had to choose some that I. <laughs> it was a medium question. It was a medium question. Oh man, I bet I bet a lot of people got it. That's one that I'm sure people got. Okay, well we're off to a a smashing start, disappointing start. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's read some more feedback. Uh, Jeremiah Dylan Cook wrote in. He says, "I've been listening to your content since 2018, and in that time, I've gone from wannabe writer to an author of several published horror stories." In terms of a favorite episode, I can't pick just one, but I vividly remember binging all your Shining and Doctor Sleep installments. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Stephen King is a, is a highlight of the show. People love him. Uh, people love those episodes. And uh, congrats on publishing your horror stories. That's uh, awesome to hear. Yeah, I love to hear that. That's amazing. So Laura from Why the Book Wins, which is a podcast. Right. She's, it's a podcast. Uh, she connected with us on Instagram. I've listened to a little bit of it. Yeah, it's good, it's good stuff. If you're, if you're interested in another adaptation podcast, check it out. They wrote, I'm a new listener, having discovered your podcast in March of this year. The plus side to finding you guys a few years in is that there are so many episodes to choose from when I want to listen to one. Your coverage of Rawhead Rex is one that stands out to me as being so fun and entertaining to listen to. There are a few podcasts out there comparing the book with the movie, including my own, but yours is the best. I really admire what you're doing and the passion you have for it. You never sound bored talking about whatever book or movie you're covering. Yeah, I mean, that's something I, I pride myself on. And and it's honestly, it's fairly easy. Like, I don't get bored talking about this stuff. Like, I genuinely, we, we both genuinely love talking about it. And if we didn't, I don't think there's any way that we would still be doing it, right? Like, you have yeah. to, if you're going to start a podcast, you have to find something you're passionate about that you're going to want to talk about, especially if you're going to do uh, 200 episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's high praise too. Thank you for saying that about our podcast. Yeah, we appreciate that, Laura. Okay, so are you ready? Do you, what do you want to go for? You want to go even harder? You need one another another easy one just to get some more points. What do you want? I'm, I'm going easy this time. Medium easy. was like a scorcher. All right, here we go. Easy. Now I'm going to blank out a character name that would be too obvious. Blank was almost home when the state trooper pulled him over. Lovecraft Country. Yep, Lovecraft Country. Good job. Boom. Two points. Very nice. Nicely done. That's not, that's like, it's easy, but it's not super easy. So, like I was saying, that other one was a real softball. The other easy ones are still a bit of a challenge. There's a lot of people who've been pulled over by police in the books we read. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair enough. All right, what would you like? What what difficulty? I Give it to me. I'm going to medium again. See if medium. I can get a medium. All right. All right. This one's just a test of your memory. Ready? Okay. God, I'd give anything for a drink. I'd give my goddamn soul for just a glass of beer. That's The Shining. It had to be, right? Yep. <laughs> All right. So that's four points for me. Yep. Yay. I can hear Jack Torrance say that. 
Um, perfect. I love that. <laughs> uh, okay, let's do let's do some more feedback. Um, okay, so at books to watch on Twitter wrote to us saying things I like best on Ink to Film. Anytime someone mentions Tolkien, Remy joins the show, or there's something as heartwarming as Rudolph the Reindeer. Uh, this one made me happy. First off, shout out to Remy Nakamura, uh, one of our favorite yeah. guests to have. Um, glad to see people enjoy having him on as much as we do. And then, yeah, a little shout out for our heartwarming Rudolph the Reindeer Christmas episode, which, you know, I always feel a little odd about. I'm like, I don't know how many people are going to be interested in something like this. So I, it makes me happy to, to hear that somebody liked it. Yeah, it's always interesting. Like if we step outside the box, there's always people who will kind of engage with that yeah. in ways that we weren't expecting. So awesome to hear. So Gloria writes, I've been a listener since right after you guys did the 2017 It episodes. I love that you guys provide a different perspective as to why the film adaptations sometimes have to be so drastically different from what the book depicted. It's definitely made me appreciate some of the film adaptations more. My favorite episode is the one with Annihilation. I could never quite put into words how I felt about that book, and you guys nailed it. Ooh, yeah. What a great what a great project. Uh, I definitely look back on that fondly as just a really cool experience covering it, and um, I'm glad to hear that it connected with Gloria. Yeah, she's been uh, uh, definitely connected with us on social media for, for years now. OG, going back to the 2017 It episodes, that's like early on and has stuck around with us for four years, so I mean... That makes me happy that we're able to have some retention there. <laughs> I know there's been a few listeners like that. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I love to see that. Okay. What do you want? What difficulty? All right. Give me medium. Medium. On those cloudy days, blank was never sure when sunset came. And sometimes they were in the streets before he could get back. That has to be I Am Legend. Yep. Got it, man. Good nice. job. I Am Legend. Well done. All right. So that's four points for you. Um, my turn. Let's see. I'm going to go give me a hard one. I'm feeling I'm feeling it. All right. You ready? Yeah. I don't want to sound foolish, but remember, love is what brought you here. And if you've trusted love this far, don't panic now. Trust it all the way. Is that Edge of Tomorrow? It is not. Dang. All right. Uh, I need a hint. All right, my hint, I'm not going to lie, my hints in the hard category are pretty merciful, so I think you're going to get it with this one. You ready? Okay. I hope that nobody has ever had to look at anybody they love through glass. Oh, uh, okay, if Bill Street could talk. Yep. All right, that's two points Got for it. me. Uh, that is also, I believe, the opening line of that book. Good call there. <laughs> hey, nice. Um, there you go. Time for some more feedback. So Grant wrote in and said, there are a lot of projects that stand out to me, but specifically Annihilation, American Psycho, and It, every Stephen King project is special, just to name a few. I also appreciated Altered Carbon because I don't think I would have read it without you guys covering it. I've really enjoyed a lot of the guests you've had on the pod as well. Fonda Lee was a lot of fun and super knowledgeable during the Godfather coverage. Remy Nakamura is always enjoyable when you have him on, and The Watchmen with Daryl Gregory was also very, very cool. Thanks, Grant. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, love all those projects. <laughs> Great guests. Yeah. That's a good list. Shout out to all of our guests, too. Yeah, like every guest we've had on has been brought such cool in, like perspectives on everything, and I've loved every minute. I've been, we've been we've been very pleased with, with our guests, honestly. Like, they, they always deliver. So Paolo wrote in and said, I started listening to the podcast in August of 2019, back when I was finishing my master's thesis. This was quite a stressful moment for me, and listening to your podcast made it much more bearable. 
I would look forward to the end of the day where I would listen to it while walking home. Since then, I have started a PhD and still listen to your podcast as a way to disconnect from work and enjoy myself. My favorite episode or project would be the first one I listened to, namely The Shining. I loved the book, but did not care much for the movie, so it was cool to hear you guys compare both and discuss them in detail. I really enjoy any coverage of Stephen King you have done so far. I'm extremely thankful for the fact that this podcast exists and the great work you put into it. So that's so cool to hear, man. Uh, somebody going through yeah. a master's and a PhD program and is, is letting us, you know, kind of keep them company. And I believe Paula yeah. is the one who also sent us a picture on Instagram because uh, she's a patron and got uh, got our swag. And uh, she was the one who sent the picture of it in, I believe, Switzerland. Very cool. Yeah, that's so awesome. I, I love to see like the international community also know, engaging right? with it because it's that just blows my mind so cool uh and it's and it's like people have a passion for books and movies you know and, and and i love that we can share that passion with our listeners that's very cool okay what's going to be your difficulty choice i feel like just to keep pace i have to try for a hard okay uh remember you can still get points if you don't get it off the first first one so right don't panic <laughs> was that a hint is it going to be is it going to be Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? <laughs> All right, here we go. Yeah. My sweater was new, stinging red and ugly. I'm going to I'm gonna take a guess and say I'm thinking of ending things. No. All right. Dang. Sentence number two. It was May 12th, but the temperature had dipped to the 40s, and after four days shivering in my shirt sleeves, I grabbed cover at a tag sale rather than dig through my boxed-up winter clothes spring in chicago man this is tough but i'm pretty this sounds like stephen king to me and i'm gonna say dr sleep nope no all right i'm gonna Jeez. give you a little bit more one last shot in my gunny covered cubicle i sat staring at the computer screen my story for the day was a limp sort of evil this is this is stephen king i, I just have to figure out which project i think it is i guess i'll say the shining nope this is what is it? Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn. Wow. Yeah. Dang it. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny that you kept saying Stephen King. She does have that dark, gritty style that it kind of kind of lines yeah. up with that. So I can see why you think that. It's a tough one. That is so. tough, yeah. All right. So what are you thinking? What what difficulty were you looking at? Uh, how did I do? I got it on I got it on a on a hint. Let's go medium, see if I can get it right off the right off the go. Okay. This one is going to be we're so bounded by time, by its order, but now I am not so sure I believe in beginnings and endings. Arrival. Yeah. Yes. Had to be right. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> All right. So that's four points. That's a medium, right? Nice, dude. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So just for the record, where we're at right now, I am at 12 points. You are at eight. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I think for this next one, um, our partners wrote in uh, my wife and your girlfriend with a little feedback um, that I actually have not heard yet um, but I'm gonna read it now so this is from my wife Annalisa she says my most recent favorite ink to film memory was watching Pride and Prejudice with Luke because it's one of my absolute favorite movies and it gives me all the happy cozy feels and listening to the episode afterwards with Jennifer was awesome she understood the assignment and captured so many of my own feelings about the movie perfectly. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, shout out to my wife who, is, who has supported me along the way. And uh, honestly, this podcast wouldn't exist without her because, uh, yeah, she's definitely the you know pillar of my support structure. 
So. Yeah, I was going to say shout out to honestly both of our significant others because like we wouldn't have been able to continue to, without the support of them. There's no way we would have continued doing this. And like they've been very supportive listening and dealing with our having to record at weird times and stuff. So huge shout out to them. Yeah, we've uh, annoyed them many times by saying, oh, can't watch that when it comes out. I have to wait for when I when for we cover it. <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So my girlfriend, Caitlin, wrote in and she said, so glad you finally covered The Handmaid's Tale. The only way women will become true equals in our society is if men acknowledge us as such and fight for our rights just as hard. It is something men have to believe in their hearts to treat all people as people. And I know both of you have that in yours. Proud to have Luke as a brother and James as a partner in life. As far as how our lives have evolved over these past four years, James and mine couldn't have changed more. When you started this thing, he had just graduated college we had moved into our first ever apartment in Orlando and we were probably still living in the fiery hell of a bed bug infestation. <laughs> screw that. Screw that place. Uh, he has grown so much in his career with production in Orlando and due to COVID, I've completely switched mine. Ink to film has been a constant thread throughout it all. And I look forward to being told we must see many more movies by a certain day of the week to keep it going. Oh, uh, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, shout out to Caitlin, uh, my sister, your girlfriend. <laughs> She's great. Um, and I totally agree about the Handmaid's Tale stuff, you know, and, and I'm I'm just glad to, that she connected with that, that coverage. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. What a good project. Very, very recent. It was very recent. I almost, you know, there was a couple things where I almost pulled quotes from that. I almost picked <laughs> that as one of my favorite moments just because it's so fresh, but I decided yeah, to. Yeah, a little bit of recency bias maybe. Got to gotta, gotta give it a little bit of time. You gotta, get, you gotta get a little bit of distance on some of this stuff to, to have proper perspective. Okay, let's play this game a little bit more. Uh, you're a little bit behind. Do you want to go for the safe points, or are you gonna go big? What do you? What's your choice? Uh, I want a medium so that I at least can try to tie okay, you. Okay, medium. It was a nice day. All the days had been nice. That one's so vague. Let me think about that. I'm going to try the, the Princess Bride. I like the guess, but no, that's not it. No. All right. Now, here we go. Here's, here's line number two. This is why it's a medium, because I feel like this next line is more of a giveaway. Sometimes mediums, it was like kind of tough at the beginning, but then the second line is, is like a big right. hint. Okay. Here's the next line. There had been rather more than seven of them so far, and rain hadn't been invented yet. Good omens. Yep. <laughs> I almost said good omens, too, on the <laughs> first it. one. And I was like, ah, got it. Got it. So that's two points for you. So you're still getting the, the what you would have gotten if you'd gone easy. So that's why medium is still a solid choice, right? Mm -hmm. In our little weird system we have going here. <laughs> okay. Um, I still have a little bit of a lead. So I'm going to go bold and I'm going to go hard. Give me a difficult. All you have to do is outpace me at this point. But yeah, okay, you went hard. Here we go. When you're old, all you want to do is stare at the scenery. It's so strange. I've never felt so peaceful before. Is that House Moving Castle? You nailed it. Yes! I almost said No Country for Old Men, but I was like, that's too obvious. Yeah. Oh, man. Nice nice work. The next, the, the hint, by the way, was what a dump. When I think of castles, it's not what I picture. Okay, so that would have so been, yeah. You would have got would've that got it there, but I got the heart. All right. Love that. Woo! Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, having some more champagne. <laughs> All right. Let's do some more feedback. So Sarah wrote in. She says... I started listening in 2019, and then you guys kept me company, not just at work, but during lockdown and beyond. Ink to Film is the first and only Patreon I've ever joined, and I have absolutely no regrets. 
The pod has inspired me to keep going in my own writing, and the dissection of story and theme from you guys has been so helpful. I recommend you to everyone. Thank you for making my Thursdays much less boring. As for favorite moments, I personally love the goofs when you guys are just shooting the shit and talking about your in-real-life families and lives. Much love from Canada via Scotland. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, I mean, hey, if you like family and live stuff, this is the episode for you, too, because I think we're <laughs> going to open up to some stuff. Um, thank you so much for supporting. And, and like that, that means the world. Yeah. Hopefully Sarah enjoys this because we're going to be doing a lot of that. Um, we always feel a little uh, weird talking about ourselves. Um, so that's why we're going to do it this time, because, you know, we usually don't do it a ton um, because we like to focus on the material. But I do know that, you know, some people at least do like to hear about the, the people behind the mics a little more. So. You know, it's a good balance. It's a, a we got to strike a balance. Yeah, we are real people who black out sometimes before <laughs> recording episodes. <laughs> All right. So Taylor Lane writes, I think I began listening to it in 2018. Between then and now, I've gotten engaged, married, started a new job and moved into a new house. Ink to Film is always the podcast I turn to for a boost of inspiration when life's big moments become a little too daunting. I love your Lord of the Rings coverage. Also my favorite, James. Awesome to hear. That's my quote. Awesome to hear. Uh, but my favorite episodes are The Haunting of Hill House. I wish I could rewatch the series, but I'm a bit sensitive to horror. So these episodes give me a much needed fix. I really appreciate the work you put into each episode. Reading the book and then seeing the movie has been a hobby of mine for a very long time. It's a treat to experience it in podcast form. Thank you for all your effort and for providing a way for me to indulge in scary stories without being haunted by them. Wow, that's so cool to hear. Uh, that's a fairly recent project we did this year. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I know we were kind of mixed on the series, so I'm, I'm really glad that, that you know Taylor's still able to enjoy it. <laughs> that's really cool to hear. Yeah, I mean, overall, I think I, I really like that that pro- that project. You yeah, know, the show was really incredible. Well, and it won me over uh, in a, in kind of the second half a lot more than I was in the first half. That was actually a fun outcome of that of that too. Is the way that like in the first half you're like eh, I don't know, and then that second half was like you were like oh wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was fun. Very cool. Okay, so that's the last of the feedback we got. I think let's do a little rapid fire round to finish it off. Yeah. I was going to suggest the same thing. So we, it's like we should start a podcast or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. All right. So what do you think? Three, three real quick. Go back and forth. All right. So let's go back and forth, though. So do you want to go? No, let's just choose. Let's just choose. What do you want to do? Um, give me a medium. Your father is about to ask me the question. That's a rival. Yeah, the story of your life, but I will give it to you. The story, yeah, the story of your Good life. Good job. Yeah. That's four points. That one almost sent me down a weird path. I was like, what? <laughs> but I got I got there just in time. Good, good. That's a good pull. That's a good pull. All right, uh, I'm going to go medium. Okay, this one is nice suit. John Phillips, London. I have two myself. Rumor has it, Arafat buys it his there. Die hard. Got it. Yep. <laughs> I was like, I know that line. I knew you would know it just because it was Die Hard, but I thought maybe I'd trick you <laughs> with maybe an American Psycho like sort of tilt to it with the suit. Talk. Honestly, you might have if I hadn't, if you hadn't already done it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, because otherwise, I might have, uh, I might have been tempted to go American Psycho. Talking about the suits, love it. All right, you are at fourteen points. I am at twenty-two. So you got nice. some points. To, you got some points to make up here. I think you got to go difficult. Yeah, I think I do. Let's go hard. All right, this is tough. All right, I'm ready. All right, Sally, a mutter. Wake up now, Sally. This one's tough. I'm going to say a Silence of the Lambs. Nope. No. All right, 
I'm gonna give you a little bit more here. These aren't these are very short, so I'm giving you a little uh, kind of little cluster mm-hmm. of sentences. Okay. A louder mutter. Let me alone. He shook her harder. Wake up. You've got to wake up. Charlie. Charlie's voice. Is this haunting of Hill House? No. All right. You still got points available. So I'm going to go a little bit more. So Charlie's voice calling her for how long? Sally swam up out of sleep. Why do I not remember somebody named Sally in anything we covered? Um... I'm going to give you one more sentence just because that that's kind of mostly the same stuff. So let me give you one more sentence. Okay. First, she glanced at the clock on the night table and saw it was quarter past two in the morning. A wrinkle in time? No. No. Uh, sorry, buddy. That's the stand. Oh, my God. That's Why did I not remember any of that? Waking, it's because it's the beginning. It's the very I, I beginning. The, He's waking yeah. his daughter up to, to flee. Yeah. That's tough. That's a tough one. All right. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to coast here at the end. I'm going to go yeah. easy. I wanted to request that you went easy so I could read you this one. <laughs> okay. Well, perfect. Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me hard. I'd fuck me so hard. That's where the wild things are, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. Of course. Yes. Perfect. Yes, All right. Yes. Two points. All right. Um, where do you want to go? Uh, give me, I haven't heard many easy, so give me an easy. Let's okay. just, let me get some points on the board. All right. Points on the board. The tower, which was not supposed to be there, plunges into the earth in a place just before the black pine forest begins to give way to swamp, and then the reeds and wind-gnarled trees of the marsh flats. My instinct is never-ending story. The never-ending story. Oh. Yeah, I feel like the, the beginning of the never-ending story is in the real world, I guess. But All right, next line. Beyond the marsh flats and the natural canals lies the ocean, and a little farther down the coast... A derelict lighthouse. Annihilation. Yes. The inverted cool. tower. I thought I thought you would get yeah. that. Yeah. That's all it's right. It's been a while. All right. So that's one point for you. Uh, give me another easy. Okay. Easy. I'm just doing this one for the love of the game right here. Ready? Yeah. It's going to be a little more than one line too. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tonhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time, like tears and rain. Time to die. I can hear the score. Blade Runner. Love it. Had to talk about Blade Runner. Uh, I just have another one that I want to read before we finish off here. Give you the bonus points. I think I'm solidly in the lead here. The terror, which would not end for another 28 years, if it ever did, began, so far as I know or can tell, with a boat made from a sheet of newspaper floating down a gutter swollen with rain gotta be the og it's gotta be it there it is it the og i think that's a good place to stop i had a bunch of other good ones but we can't keep playing this game forever as fun as it is um yeah i think the final tally i'll even give you these two points let's see where we're at all right 26 (laughs) to 17 uh i'll take the victory here in this very scientific very fair i won't hear any statements to to the contrary (laughs) game here um it was fun man i I liked playing it was a good time it was fun you know first first lines are difficult so i i do think the the difficulty may have been a little harder for you honestly you know in in retrospect because first lines of books are you know they can be tough if they're not like super iconic ones yeah i think about that the stand one you know it's not doing you any favors with like hints towards the plot it's honestly like misleading yeah and and sharp objects honestly that probably should have been a hard one because 
that doesn't have a lot to go on. (laughs) I was like convinced that was Stephen King. That's yeah. Uh, very, very cool. Okay. So that's the end of our game. We now get to choose our own favorite moments and favorite episodes. Um, I think we chose episodes, right? That's what I did. Right. Yeah. So I chose three. Uh, I think you chose three as well. I think we'll, we'll switch off back and forth. Um, if we, if we happen to choose the same one, we'll just, we'll just share our thoughts on it. Um, let's have you begin. I do want to say though, before we get into this, um, our, our sort of criteria for this, for me, it was all my personal memory surrounding the recording of the episode and the content of the episode as it related to my life at the time. So because of that, the guests weren't so much of a factor. So, you know, once again, shout out to all our guests, but that wasn't really something I was considering when I was choosing favorite episodes. Yeah, we always talk about how we get into these projects and dig so deeply into them and think about them for weeks at a time. Our lives seem to seem to collide with them in such weird and interesting ways. So there's kind always of revolve like, around the project for for a little microcosm does. of time. Yeah, yeah, and like it lingers with you, and something will happen, and it'll just be it just makes it that much that much more important. So um, to start things off. You know, you get pulled in by projects and then there's ones that you're looking forward to forever. The one that we knew we would always cover um, for me was Fellowship of the Ring. And let me explain the specific episodes. So the first episode um, was episode 36. And that was the one that really hit me squarely because it's it's one of my favorite stories. But even more so than that, you and I had started a podcast, you know, uh, half a year before we started doing this this uh, coverage for Fellowship of the Ring. And we hadn't seen each other for for a while. You lived in Portland. I lived in Orlando. And I came to visit in like March of that year. And we went to Multnomah Falls. We went uh, like all over the place. And you were just talking about how like, it's just like the people talk about how this is like Middle Earth in the va- <laughs> in the gorge sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just like, it looks like when Multnomah Falls, for example, looks like Rivendell. Mm-hmm. So um, that trip and getting to see you guys and and being over there and then coming back and covering one of my favorite stories in the way that we did that episode when i think about it it really does ring true as like one of my favorite recording experiences and 36 36 yeah being in an area like that feels like middle earth and then you and then you come home sort of process the story and and you know around that time i think we were covering we went and saw a wrinkle in time together in the theater and then we were covering ready player one right after i got back and then I was sort of still processing it when we went to f- uh, cover Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, I mean, Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, such a such a powerful series of episodes for us. O- over the course of 12 episodes, I think we did on that project, and we're still going to do The Hobbit at some point here, so we have more to come from Tolkien. So um, I'm glad to, glad to hear that that made your list. Okay, so my first one, I'm going to go in chronological order. Episode 56, Coraline, the book. It was published on September 6th of 2018, and this one stands out to me because while it wasn't my first episode recording in the little room underneath my stairs in my rental house, Mm -hmm. it was the second. The first one was the previous week during the Sharp Objects finale, and I remember it was like, it was all new. I I just literally set up a a desk in there and and recorded, and it it was very bare bones. This week was when I had time to like put up all sorts of like trying to put sound dampening up and I had a little lamp and like it it really was this cozy little space and we were covering Coraline, which is a book about 
going through a little passageway into another world. Mm -hmm. And I'll just always remember like the, the subject matter lining up in this really special way with the place I was at in this new house. And the episode, like my audio sounds like shit for all those episodes. <laughs> Did you go back and listen? Um, I've listened to a lot of them over the time. And like, it's super hollow. I don't like it at all. I wasn't able to get the sound right. But the experience of recording in there is a memorable one. For one, On one hand, there was no AC and it was a tiny little room. So it would get hot as shit. Yeah. But on the other hand, it was cozy. It was very like hyper focused. Like I'm in this little room. I have my laptop on a little tiny desk. I can't even stand up in there. I don't think there was enough room for that. It, mm -hmm. it, it was like I'm just looking into the darkness under the <laughs> under the stairs. It was a bizarre little space to record an episode of a podcast in. And there's about a run of 20 or so that we recorded there. And uh, I don't know. I just have fond memories of that that period. And then the other thing that lines up with I was looking at our numbers. We had really started to plateau and and not really experienced much in the way of growth over that summer. And I remember I was starting to get kind of frustrated. And for whatever reason, when we released Coraline, specifically this episode, and then that project as a whole, and then we followed it up, I think shortly thereafter with The Shining, and we took off. We had this huge explosion of downloads um, for us. It was our first like spike that we got, I would say. Um, we had a nice spike around Annihilation, but like this was this, this was like a sustained spike that that went up and then lasted so i guess it's not a spike but like um and ever since this period our podcast has been doing pretty well like it's never quite it's never gone back down to the numbers from before this episode so this right. episode is one i look at that kind of marked a shift for us and i don't know if there's something in the episode itself or just something the stars aligned with the with the you know arcane workings of these different podcasting platforms and why they just decide to show episodes to people i don't know but for whatever reason, um, it all lines up and, and my thoughts and my fondness kind of circles back to this one episode. And I think it's also a good one. Um, talking yeah. about Neil Gaiman and, and that project was a, was a fun one. I love that. And and like we've talked about Leica many times and just like how I mentioned in those episodes like that is a dream job for me to work in a, in a on a production like that because it's so different than normal set production. And the stop motion animation is just one of my it's one of my true loves in, in life is that that art form and um that actually reminds me like when we were covering Coraline I was in a weird I was beginning not even maybe beginning but I was in the middle of working in tel like tv production on like long-term tv shows for like National Geographic and some of these other things that I did and it was I was away from home I was living in hotel rooms and like I remember that being very different for me and like we'll I'll get more into it when we get to like the how life has changed along the, the course of the podcast but mm -hmm. it does lead me into my second one okay. which was um another project that affected me based on like what was going on and that was when we covered the shining and specifically episode 60 i was living in hotel rooms when we covered the shining yeah and the way that that just like enhances that story like i can't re recommend that more it's like <laughs> you know it wasn't a nice hotel necessarily it was a fine hotel it wasn't a haunted like shining isolation <laughs> hotel but it was enough to where like i felt like sometimes i was being watched and yeah. like i felt like there was a presence sometimes and uh you know Start this is wondering like all... about if somebody might have died in this room before right and yeah. this is all prior to covid and everything and so it's like a different it feels like a different era at this point mm -hmm. when i was like living at a, i was having to travel for work a lot because of the nature of production and like um 
yeah and like i'm one to enjoy like a haunted house and a or like a ghost tour things like that so like it kind of feels like that in a way where i'm kind of like tempting fate with reading this book and like uh living out of a hotel room felt felt very interesting um and just the stories that you talked about with like stephen king li- yeah. like living in a hotel when he was writing the story and yeah and i just sort of th- started thinking about how these you know we've talked about liminal spaces before but places that people that are like universal everyone's been to a place like this and the way that those kind of stories can have like inherent like deep-seated power when you start telling a story in in one of those places is, is really cool yeah uh so good such a classic for us and and honestly that definitely brought in some numbers people still listen to those episodes that that episode i think that one you're talking about is the one that has really good uh retention on our youtube channel um people people stick around and and like that's one of the ones that's got a lot of listens and and people seem to like so i think that's a great choice all right so my next one is going to be episode 82 Pet Cemetery, the book, uh, part one, which was published on March 28th of 2019. So this episode for me was a, a chance to think about my mom in a way that I hadn't um, in a while. So she passed away from brain cancer um, some years before recording this. Um, not that many, but... Um, and and she her favorite author was Stephen King, which I've mentioned before on the podcast. But um, covering Pet Cemetery and covering Stephen King in general always makes me think of her. But Pet Cemetery in particular is a book about grief, and it is a book about what you would do to keep the people you love around, like what what lengths you someone would be willing to go, and. I just found myself in this really strange moment um, where I was thinking about her reading this book and it it gave me this like connection to her that was really special. And I don't know how much of that made it onto the episode. I know I talk about it a little bit, um, but I think I felt self-conscious about like disclosing some personal details there, but um, it really did. It really did strike me, and it's something that I'll always remember about that project. Um, just, just especially that first book episode, where I just, I, I just felt closer to her than I had in years, and um, I always look back on that one fondly for that reason. You know, you you mentioned how like in the episode that it might be one of Stephen King's scariest stories because it right. is so real, and it is something that everyone has to deal with at one point or another in their life. And like to like, I love that that you were able to talk about the connection that you had with your mom like that. Like I I always thought that was really cool. So my third one, um, it I was almost I almost didn't choose this one because I feels a little bit like a cop out because of the project itself. But I think that the timing of it all, like people will understand why I chose this. Um, because I did choose Fellowship of the Ring, but my third one is going to be episode 129, Return of the King. And the reasoning is, this is our first like coverage that we decided on after the pandemic had begun. And it was a chance for us to kind of escape into Middle Earth. And we mentioned that like to each other. We were like, this would be, I think this would be a good time to, to like sort of escape. And again, Lord of the Rings has always meant a ton to me. It was the films were a reason why I got into filmmaking and to literally escape the pandemic into Middle Earth and um, also to see like the power of community, especially in the podcast and the way that people wanted to experience the story at the same time we did. 
and the way that there was really not much else going on in a lot of people's lives. It was during lockdown. Um, I think it just gave great perspective to me on like what the show can be and what it means to people and like how it, everyone can rally around something like this in art and, and appreciate something all at the same time. And like, I just, I, I, we, you know, I've talked about on the podcast, like we, my girlfriend and I got COVID like early March. So this is like, we took some time off while I was sick. Well, she was much more sick than I, but we got to the point where we were ready to record another episode. And then we went to middle earth. And I just like, I'll always remember that as like the chance that we took to recalibrate you know, during a pandemic with all this stuff going on in the world, there was, you know, there was protests all over the country. It was just, it was just like a, a wild time. And of course, like supporting the, the protests and also everyone's worried about COVID and everyone's isolating in their homes. It was just, yeah. it, it was just a lot going on. And for us to go to, to Middle Earth at that time, I thought was really memorable. Yeah. It kicked off a period, right? Where, where we're still living in the tail end of like all the, in, in the wildness that happened surrounding COVID. Um, that was my choice as well. Uh, nice. Same exact episode, episode 129, published on March 26th of 2020. Um, That's my birthday, look, by the way. You can look at that date. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's my birthday, March 26th. That's awesome. I, I'm, I'm very bad at remembering people's birthdays. <laughs> I have it on the <laughs> calendar so that it reminds me. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean, for me, I was living in a Marriott at the time in which we recorded that. Um, my wife and I had been out of our condo for several months at that point um we had had a flood and we were getting it um, remodeled and repaired and we were dealing with the insurance company we were dealing with the hoa we were the in-between between those two you know groups that both were treating us like we're the problem the whole time it's it's incredibly stressful then you take that and we're living in an airbnb that the person who runs it notifies us that we have to leave because they're going to sell the Airbnb as a unit. So we have, to, we have to find other arrangements. So we have to scramble. And this was the last week we were supposed to be staying there. Um, we have to scramble to get this hotel room. And we end up moving everything we can into the Marriott with our two dogs. And on top of all of that, we're going into lockdown for the first time. There's an unknown virus that people don't even know how it's transmitted at this point. Mask wearing wasn't even recommended for the general public at this point. It was all hand washing, right? And we're going into a hotel. Um, this was the height of my anxiety problems I developed in 2020. I had some pretty severe anxiety that year, and I was having panic attacks. And um, doing episode 129, like you said, was exactly what I needed. And it was, it was an escape into middle earth. It was a chance to do something that I feel, I feel like Lord of the Rings is cozy to me. And so going there felt like this, this just badly needed respite from everything that was going on at the time. I, I listened to a, a good chunk of that episode earlier and it's so odd to hear us talking about COVID. Like we don't name mm -hmm. it, we just talk about it like in this kind of vague way and you talk about being sick and like you're not sure whether or not you had it and like just we know so much more about the disease now right and it, you can mm -hmm. just hear the uncertainty and it's hard to remember like i remember when like the nba all of a sudden canceled its games like that was like a week before we did this like right. it was it was hitting america and well they went into the bubble in yeah. orlando too it yeah. was crazy 
It was wild, and it, it, this was really the kicking off of all of it. And then, yeah, I mean, you and 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 my sister, Caitlin, your your girlfriend, um, both came down with it, and I didn't know, you know, how it was going to go, and like. It was a scary time, um, and it was a difficult time, and I, I think of this episode and this podcast as, as being something that helped me get through it, so uh, I completely agree on that one. I love that we, we chose the same, the same one, one for our final one. Yeah. I think that's that's fitting. Episode 129 is a great one. I did want to give a shout-out and honorable mention to one other episode. If Beale Street Could Talk episode, which is published on J- July 2nd of 2020, um, this was, I think about a month, month and a half after George, George Floyd was killed. And it was in the midst of a lot of those demonstrations you were talking about. were really ramping up in the country. And we cover this project that was eye opening to me. It was perspective shifting. Um, it wasn't like I was completely unaware, but like, there's just nothing quite like reading James Baldwin and it was so good. And it was I, you know, I, now I look back at this period and I, I think there are people who, who might claim, and, and I don't know if this will hold up over time or not, but like I've heard it said that we might be in the midst of a second civil rights movement. James Baldwin was writing from the perspective of someone who lived through the first civil rights movement and was a very prominent figure. And so to have that connection and to be reading his words, um, that's a really special episode to me. I, I really enjoy it when I listen to it. I, I'm, I'm proud of it. Um, I think we did a good job. And then it also bled into uh, Lovecraft Country, which would come like a month or so later, um, which would be a continuation of that of that um, sort of vibe and that, that experience of just growing. And um, so I just wanted to give a shout out to that particular episode. Another really, really good one. Yeah, I'm really proud of that as well. And like we talked about how like, you know, there's going to be some some things in those episodes that would be challenging to, to talk about. And I think we were still, we were like really developing the way that we wanted to talk about this stuff. And I think just coming from a genuine and honest place has worked for us, but it was, you know, it was a, t- it was a time period when it was like, should we be talking about this? Yeah. You know, it was like, should we as white guys talk about this? And ultimately I think I'm happy with what we did and that we did, but it was also, um, you know, a question and I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that it holds up for us now at this point. And, and James Baldwin is an absolute legend. Agreed. So all that's left now is to get even more personal. <laughs> if you liked hearing some personal details, um, we have more to share. Uh, do you want to, do you want to go first? Uh, I, I don't know how we're going to do this. We haven't really talked about our format here, but I guess we'll just go back and forth a little bit and you can, I'm just gonna let you go. Yeah, I can go first. You know, it's interesting because like I was a big podcast consumer, uh, all through college and in some of the ways that people that wrote into us told us like, you know, it got me through school and, um, you know, different life things. I I was, I, I felt the exact same way about podcasts and I knew all through college, I wanted to start a podcast getting out of school. I felt like I think like a lot of people do really lost and I didn't know, especially in my industry, I was like, what do you do? Like, how can you possibly um, put yourself out there that far and and start to make art with people, but also do it in a way that is going to create income and, and, you know, support yourself. So I was really young getting out of college and just at the very beginning of the podcast, I was starting to work pretty consistently and, and like sort of a f- like freelance capacity. And, um, I think like my voice at the time, I I was very unsure about some of the things that I wanted to say. 
and the way that I was willing to talk about other people's art because I knew how I felt about the things that I loved. Um, and I, I think it's like a lot, it was definitely a stretching of my own creativity period where I realized like, cause I can remember early on in those episodes thinking like, oh no, I don't want to write. I want to direct. I want to, I want to help someone else deliver like a great version of their vision. And I can't even imagine thinking about film in that way at this point, because to me now I've been like any project that I direct going forward is I'm going to have to have like supreme control over because I'm going to need to, whether someone else wrote it or not, I'm going to need to like have a heavy hand in the rewriting process or whatever it is. And I never thought of myself as a writer necessarily. And, you know, I, I, I hesitate to call myself a writer, but more of just like, I understand the ways that I would want a story to be told. And, uh, like that, that's definitely something that's changed for me. And like I said, my, my specific, the way that I'm willing to to like dive into other people's art, I think has changed some, but it's always like we've always talked about it from from a perspective of someone who's creating. So it's always, I think, productive. I think it's always something that's not from we're never like trying to shit on things, but we are all figuring out what we like as artists and what we would like to, you know, sort of cherry pick and replicate and then and then create our own style and create our own work. Um, so like that's a little bit on like how fresh I was coming into the podcast and like this podcast has definitely helped me develop a lot of those skills and even, you know, speaking publicly obviously has been a thing that we were really early on. I couldn't even hear the sound of my own voice and now I don't care at all. Um, we moved to Orlando. I was living in a shit. We were, my girlfriend and I were living in a shitty apartment. She mentioned the bed bug situation. We moved into an apartment that had bed bugs. It was horrifying. And just like, you know, having to go through the, all of that. I talked to her sometimes about how like if we were to have to go back and grind in the ways that we had to and live through the situations we had to, I don't know if I could actually do it, but we we made it through. And like, I, I'm happy to say like now I'm in a much, you know, much better place than I was in terms of just like life, stability, everything going on. Like I've worked on some amazing short films. I've worked on smaller productions and then I've gone on to work on million dollar massive productions for commercial work and narrative work. And, um, I've worked in post-production and the camera department and like developed my, my skills in those departments. And like, ultimately I'm going to continue to grow those and use those to do what I want to do and direct a feature film. And, and like, um, I'm continuing to freelance and, and, in the camera department, mostly some in post-production. And then I've been hired now as an instructor at a university teaching in the digital, digital cinematography program. And, um, that's been amazing as well because of talking about like stability and still being able to do all of the, all of the shoots that I want to do, all of the like amazing opportunities that come my way. It's just been this great stabilizing thing. And that's just since COVID, uh, that, that, that instructor position has come along. So, you know, my, my life is so different than it was four years ago when we started this podcast. I can't even, it would be easier in a shorter list for me to tell you what has not changed than what has changed. So much has changed. Right. I, I feel like some of the stuff I'm going to talk about overlaps a little bit with some of that stuff you just said, but just uh, for, from sort of my perspective over here, you know, I've, I feel like I've seen you get more confident in your not only your own particular artistic sensibilities, right? Like the things that you like, but also just, I think, more confident in your knowledge of the industry and of what it's like to be on set and to share those insights. I think early on in the podcast, 
both of us, and this is something I'm going to talk about, we're a little more like, I don't know if I'm qualified to talk about this. <laughs> a little imposter syndrome, yeah. Oh, I mean, for how sure, could you man. not? And um, I, I've definitely noticed noticed an evolution there for you. So uh, for me, um, a, a couple of a couple of things I'll get out of the way. Uh, first off, I, I moved three times since the podcast began. Uh, uh, an apartment to a rental condo to my actual condo that I own now. First time owning any any property. And then, of course, we had to move out for a little while. So it's almost a fourth move that happened when that flood happened. So it's, it was a lot of a lot of change over the course of four years. Um, and maintaining the podcast through that was difficult, right? Like and being able to be consistent with our weekly releases, which we have been pretty consistent. So, I'm, you know, I'm pretty proud of that record. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly we've been moving around the, the northwest of Portland. Uh, we spent a little bit of time in North Portland in that house I was talking about. Um we yeah, we moved into maybe there's another time maybe four times I don't know I lose count there's so many times <laughs> um and and that's kind of been that and you know I'm coming up on five years no I'm coming up on six years married uh, with to my wife Annalisa um so you know everything in that department has been good I talked a little bit earlier about having some challenges with anxiety um and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get back to that because I think the place that I want to focus on is my writing life. Um, what, what, where I was at when we started and where I'm at now. So in 2017, when we started the podcast, I had graduated from Seton Hill in January of that year. And when I graduated from Seton Hill, I had signed with one of the largest literary agencies in the country, um, with a well-known high profile agent, literary agent. I signed with that agent during my final semester of grad school. So, and I, I was the only one in my cohort to have an agent. So, um, as you can probably imagine, like I was feeling pretty good about myself. Right. And during my thesis reading, where I was reading my, th- and that's, this was for my thesis novel, um, Mike Arnson, who's been on the podcast, was my my mentor at Seton Hill, and he, you know, talked me up, and he, you know, and, and you know, I, I appreciate it, and I'm he means every word, but you know, he talked about how like you're going to see this book on shelves soon, I have no doubt, and you know, I felt very confident, and I felt like, man, this is all happening. My my dream of becoming a published author is happening. I'm going to start this podcast on the side, and then it, it'll be a sort of symbiotic relationship with my publishing and as my profile grows i'll be able to grow the podcast and everything's gonna go great right um of course i knew that there were chances that things might not line might not work out that way but you just got to jump in the deep end sometimes and go for it so i am not gonna name my agent because things did not end up going well with him and he is someone who um, has proven to be litigious and the agency in question has gone after people who have said negative things. So I'm going to not name anybody. Um, but what I am going to say is that if you would like to know who it is, you can reach out to me and I can privately tell you, um, in case anybody is thinking about querying agents, I I can share with you who this was. So my experience with this agent was I signed with him. I was very excited. I, um, my novel I wrote was a grimdark fantasy uh, in 2017 that 
was compared to like Joe Abercrombie, Mark Lawrence, um, Steven Erickson, uh, that those kind of authors. And it was sent to a bunch of the major publishers, right? Um, through my agent. And I, I had been prepared for what this process was going to be like at my, at Seton Hill. They, they, they talk to you about it and they teach you how to, what to expect. Um, and I, I remember feeling there's a very weird relationship that develops with your agent, because if you're not a writer, you probably don't realize, but like getting an agent is a massive step. It, it is not the final step, but it is the major publishers, traditional publishers won't look at your manuscripts typically unless you have representation. So it's sort of, they're sort of gatekeepers um, for these massive publishers that you have to have proven yourself worthy of an agent before they'll even look at your manuscript, that kind of thing, right? Um, so it's a big step. And I, you know, I celebrated with all my friends, very excited. Um, he starts submitting it around and I, I asked him to send me along feedback that he would get. Um, I got a few things here or there. He sent me a few emails and when I would sort of ping him and ask about it, he'd send me back a couple of complimentary um, rejections. People who were like, oh, we liked this part or I like this part, but it didn't quite work. Or, and I'd be curious to see some work from you in the future, that kind of stuff, which is, which is good. And I, and I kind of took my lumps early and was like, okay, so it's not going to happen right away. Some of these major publishers that I had my, you know, dreams circled around, um, either weren't responding or, or gave us rejections. And, um, that is also typical. Sometimes they just don't respond. So I was like, well, this is, this is, I remember thinking it was a little cold. It was like when I talked to him on the phone, I thought that our, we were going to have a lot more communication throughout the process, but it kept being very much like, ah, there's no news. So there was nothing to really talk about. Um, but because of that, it felt like I wasn't really having much conversation with him. He did not have any editorial feedback for me on the, the manuscript itself. He said he thought that it was ready to shop. Um, well, uh, fast forward to early 2018. I called him up, uh, had a meeting with him. I was like, I want to you know, talk about what's going on with my book. And kind of figure out what our next move is because I, I, I you know, I, it seems like a couple of places aren't getting back to us. I want to know if there's some more places we could send it, that kind of stuff. Talk to him about strategy, right? And that's on the phone. He tells me, I think this submission has run its course. And I was completely devastated. I was not expecting that. Six months in seemed incredibly quick. Um, and from what I've heard from other people who've been on submission for up to two years or more, um, it is very fast. And, um, but I was, I was devastated. I was like, holy shit, this book that I worked on that I got the agent with, I thought for sure it was going to happen. So he asked me like, are you working on anything else? And I said, uh, yes. Um, I had been sort of noodling around with some ideas for a sequel to the book, but I'm like, that's not where you're going to go. If you're going to, if you're going to, you know, if the first one doesn't, doesn't land. So I'm like, okay, I also have this other sci-fi thing I've been working on this underwater sci-fi idea. And I had just barely started it at this point. Um, and I told him about it. He was interested and said, okay, send it to me when it's ready. And then that was it. Very brief conversation. And I was just stunned. I was like, what the hell happened? You know? Um, so I, I got to work and I tried to tell myself, well, I've got the agent, so it's okay. I've just got to like get him more material. Right. So around this time, um, there is a website called writer beware 
which I highly recommend if you're a writer, uh, especially if you're trying to publish uh, traditionally or, or, or with even independent presses, you should be following this, this website. Um, and on this website, there's, there was a, a, a post about my agent that came up, and it was a report of some troubling complaints that have been, had been sent to them about him. And I, I was able to get access to these forums where people were talking about their experiences with him. And it was similar to mine, but it, it shed some light on some things that I wasn't sure about. And it was kind of like maybe some red flags that I hadn't caught. But to long story short, it seems that he is someone who signs a lot of authors, doesn't announce them publicly, doesn't put them on his website, takes their query letter that they send to him to get representation and repurposes it for his letter that he's going to send to these editors. And he does what's called a shotgun submission where he blasts it out to a bunch of editors sort of indiscriminately um, just to see if it sticks sort of a throw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall and see if it sticks um, strategy, which for an agent, I guess can be fine because every now and then something will stick and you'll make a sale but is not ethical because the spaghetti you're throwing are is years of people's lives that they've worked on. And what you're not doing is what a good agent should be doing. And that's giving the manuscript its absolute best shot, sending it to the perfect editor at the perfect time, knowing exactly who likes what sort of story, finding the right way to pitch it to them, um, giving feedback if it's needed. Um, so there's a lot of things that can go into agenting that was not happening. And, and ultimately it seems like the agent I had got a reputation for being very sloppy and being just very kind of ruthless in the fact that like he clearly wanted to make a quick buck off of people, but wasn't super interested in, in giving them their best shot. Um, and then he unceremoniously drops people and then once again, you've never shown up on any official document as someone he's represented. So he does not have a mar on his sort of record as someone who he couldn't sell a book for. Um, this was happening to lots of people. My experience with him hadn't been quite that bad, but some of the stuff that I saw complaints about was familiar to me. Around this time, I talked to some other authors who mentioned that he was a bit of a joke in the writing community because if you win a award, like a major award, you would get an email from him where he offers you representation. And this was regardless of whether or not you already had an agent, which is also considered very unethical among agenting circles to do. Um, and so it sort of became an, a joke of like, did you get this email? Um, and that's how you know you've arrived when you get the email, this kind of thing. Um, and then apparently uh, his reputation with editors and publishers was also not very good because he was sort of known for just sending them stuff that they don't even represent or sending them the kind of books that they don't like um, and wasting their time. And whenever you waste an editor's time, you're going to get a reputation that's going to be kind of negative. Now, how can he get away with this, you ask? How can he be at this major agency and have success? Well, uh, there is some nepotism going on. Uh, his, I figured. His yeah. father owns the agency, and he is able to, he is sort of sheltered from any anything happening because of that. He's sort of the heir apparent. I'm not saying that my book would have sold. Um, I think my book... 
hit the market at a time where Game of Thrones had announced to the world that grimdark fantasy is a subgenre of note. And all of a sudden, everybody was aware of it, right? It had been out for a few years at that point. It was at the height of its powers. It was something everybody was talking about. And what happens typically is that in film, film is sort of behind where books are. So books had already had a big moment and then with that sort of subgenre, and then film was catching up to it. And what happened was books started moving on. And 2016 happened, Trump got elected, and there was a push away from Grimdark around that time. And it was people going more towards like positive utopia type fiction. Um, you hear a lot of this stuff. In general, Grimdark, it also got to the point where it there was sort of a one-upsmanship going on with a lot of the major authors, and it got to a point where it kind of broke. It was like, couldn't get any darker. I don't know. There was a lot of stuff going on in the subgenre at the time. Um, at the time, I thought it was a good idea to market myself as, as writing in that subgenre, but in retrospect, I don't think it was because it was a subgenre that was on the downturn at the time. So that's a big part of it, right? But the book itself, um, maybe it could have had a better shot if I had had a, a more caring careful agent who sort of gave a shit a little bit more and um but then maybe not i don't know regardless the truth of the matter was i didn't want to be associated with an with someone who had this sort of reputation in the industry because what happened after this all came out on that writer beware site is like i alluded to earlier um the agency went after them and everything got got scrubbed um, from the internet. Basically, it's very hard to find any of these details anymore. Um, people who recorded episodes of their podcast where they talked about this um, had to delete chunks of the of the episodes or get sued. Um, all sorts of stuff happened where they sort of scrubbed the internet of, of, of this wrongdoing. At the same time, he resigned from the Authors uh, Association of Representatives uh, because there was a uh, an ethics complaint submitted to the board. So he resigns from the entire organization. So if your agent is not a member of the AAR, um, that's a red flag. Um, but yeah, so clearly aware that there was a problem there, right? Um, rather than get, because he was potentially going to get expelled, it sounded like, but he he's like, I resigned before <laughs> uh, before that happens. Yeah, of course. Anyway, so he's still out there, still taking new 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 clients and stuff, and, and, and he does have some clients who are happy with him, people who he's made sales with, it seems like. Um, so I'm sure if you do get a sale with him, you're, you're happy. But um, what I realized is I can't work for another stretch of years and give him another manuscript and have it go through the same process where it's not giving its absolute, it needs to be given its absolute best shot. Um, that's what I'm, that's what I'm giving someone a percentage of your earnings for. That's what, that's how they're earning their pay. Right. And that's what agents get. They get a percentage. Um, so anyway, I fired my agent, which if you, again, are a, someone who's trying to be published traditionally, um, that is a big step because getting an agent is a, huge goal for many, many people. And to actually fire my agent at one of the biggest agencies in the country um, was difficult. And so all this is going on during the podcast, right? Um, I sell some short fiction um, and I, I sell a story specifically to Metaphorosis Magazine. I, we ended up publishing on our Patreon, me reading it. 
Um, and then I get into the Viable Paradise Writers Workshop, and that this was in uh, 2019. 2019, I'm working on this sci-fi sci-fi novel, and I submit that to this to this workshop. This workshop is on par with something like a Clarion or a Clarion West, which a lot of people may have heard. I think they have like a slightly more well-known name because they've been around a lot longer. Um, but it's on par with, it's a slightly different kind of workshop, but very prestigious and competitive workshop to get into. So getting into that was a big moment for me. It was very exciting. I got into it on the strength of my opening chapters for this new novel, this sci-fi novel. So I attend this workshop in 2019 around the time we're recording the shining actually right around that same time and i meet you know a lot of amazing writers there who are who are instructors um at the at the workshop that includes uh writers like daryl gregory amala motar nisi shawl max gladstone stephen gould scott lynch sherwood smith and includes the editor-in-chief of tor uh patrick nielsen hayden one of the other things that came out of this this workshop is I realized that the ending of my novel wasn't working. And in order to fix the ending of my novel, it was going to take a pretty major rewrite. So I started doing the major rewrite in 2020. And then 2020 happened. We've already discussed the pandemic, everything else, my my life with the with getting moved out. It was a very tough time for me. My mental health tanked. Um, I was having a lot of problems with anxiety and depression, and I started um, seeing a therapist, which I'm you know happy to talk about. Uh, again, it's something I think we should destigmatize. And um, I, I was able to get through that year, but it was very difficult. And honestly, I didn't get a lot of writing done. Like I, I was still writing. I, I tended to focus more on shorter projects because it was very hard for me to dive into the longer stuff. There was a lot of like built up um, stressors involved in that longer work. Um, and then this whole time, while I love doing the podcast and it, it was this constant for me, there was also always this pressure because I felt like I always assumed that I would have arrived and I would be doing this podcast from a place of like expertise of like, I am a published author. So that's why I'm able to have all these opinions and stuff. Right. But right. I was like, it's not happening. It's not happening. What's what's going on? And so there's a lot of pressure there right now. I did publish another short story around this time, um, which I'm very proud of. Um, they come from the void in a literary magazine around here in Portland. And um, so I, a little bit of success here or there. But, um, you know, the novel's still not done. But we arrive here in 2021. And I am in a much better headspace than I've ever been, I, I you know, honestly. And I um, am healthier now. Um, than I have been and the, you know, the pandemic's still ongoing, but you know, I got my vaccine, things are improving. I had been developing this community of writers in Portland throughout all of this. And I think that they really helped pull me through this and I've connected with them even more now than before. And, um, I'm at a place now where I really feel like I can, I can finish this thing. So my, my current goal is to get this sci-fi novel done and then I'm going to be using it to try and get another agent. And um, honestly, this is something that I'm, I'm sure I can talk about in future episodes. And, you know, when I have updates, if people are curious, you know, I'll share my writing journey because I, even that feedback we got, I, I know that some of our listeners are writers themselves. And so they, they might be curious about this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, it's it, we don't always have the path that we expect to have. And um, that has been this journey. This journey has been that for me and what I w what I thought was going to happen 
you know, versus what actually happened and then having to make some difficult decisions. Um, and then, and then just being able to reconcile the image that I, uh, that I, that I had for myself that I thought I would have for myself versus what was the reality and how that was that, that really inflicted that imposter syndrome that you talked about earlier. Like I felt that all the time. Like I felt like, who am I to talk about this stuff? I, you know, I, I, I lost my agent, you know, that kind of thing. I, you know, so it's been a, it's been a journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, and that's where I'm at with my writing. Um, it is some, I think about writing every day. I write, I write as, I don't write every day, but I write almost every day. I, I, you know, some days I work on the podcast <laughs> and that ends up being mostly what I do, but, um, I take it very seriously and it is my profession. Um, it, I'm just waiting for everything to catch up where, where I want it to be. Um, but for now, this is where I'm at. And, uh, hopefully that's, hopefully that's enough for people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been inspiring to see you like come up against this adversity and still find ways to express yourself. And like you said, like every, I think everyone had a low point in 2020 and to, to see you on the other side of it now has been, has been really fun. And like, I know that you're going to finish that book and, and we'll get it published at some point. But like this, you know, I think I think it's great to see us like improving every day together. And then having the podcast as, as another outlet has, has just continued to be like this huge. I don't know. It's a it's a it's a de-stressor in ways. And then also it just allows us to kind of still improve our craft, I, I would say. Absolutely. Um, I, I think the last four years has been a journey of just immense personal growth for me. And a lot of that is tied up in the podcast and, and becoming a little bit more of a public person, um, yeah. you know, has been, has been part of that process, um, learning, um, and, and honestly, I think reading is one of the best ways you can, you can learn about perspectives outside your own. And, um, I, we've definitely done that. We haven't always gotten it right. I know at times we can be the stumbling white guys who, uh, can't, you know, find a way to talk about things without sounding like we're lost. <laughs> we can be that way. You can be that way sometimes. I know it. Repeating the word like maybe too many times, <laughs> but you know. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> we get to our uh, our conclusions along the way eventually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ultimately, it has been it has been a great experience these, these last uh, 200 episodes, and it has been a, an essential part of my creative growth. And I think now the book that is going to come out the other side of this is way better than the book that would have come out of it. Had I not been doing the podcast, it just is like, I, I, I'm just a better storyteller from, from everything we've, we've talked about. And even before the podcast, many of my favorite filmmakers would always talk about reading is the best way to, to improve as a filmmaker and a storyteller. And like, I absolutely agree. Like, I feel like I've developed in ways that I never would have possibly imagined. Well, I, I think this is probably a good place to end it. We are definitely getting a little bit long here. So, wow, 200 episodes. Thank you all for being a part of it. Um, we will be back next week f uh, for more regular coverage, which um, I guess we can go ahead and announce here. We're going to be tackling Dune next, which has been on the horizon forever, it feels like. Forever. Uh, since know. It feels like since the podcast's inception, <laughs> we've been moving towards this. Like Blade Runner came out and Denis Villeneuve directed Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. And since then, we've been like, what is he doing next? And Dune got announced soon after. Yeah. Like, Holy shit, he's doing Dune. So we're here. Yeah, very excited to get into that. It's such an iconic book that I've never read. And whenever I tell people I haven't read it, they're like, what? You haven't read it? Like, that's yeah. the reaction I get every time. So totally, I'm, yeah. I'm very excited to actually get into that. Um, 
Thank you all for listening. If you wanted to like give us a present <laughs> for our 200th episode, a, a congratulations. If you haven't left a rating and review yet, that would be an awesome thing to leave us. Um, a rating and review on Apple or whatever app you use um, would be fantastic. Tell somebody about the show. Help us spread the word. You know, we're not very big, but we so we we uh, we rely on the word of mouth and on these ratings and reviews. They they really do a lot to help out the show. So we'd love to see those. If you wanted to help out the podcast in another way, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash ink to film. And like we talked about, we have tons of bonus content, but every month we put out something that's usually adaptation adjacent, but can tend to be kind of experimental as well. And you can get that for just $2 a month. Yeah, and look for another one of those episodes soon. Um, and if you wanted to connect with us on social media, we are at ink to film everywhere. Our email address is at uh, ink to film at gmail.com. And if you wanted to reach out to us to get that Discord link, that's the way you're going to do it. We'll also post it in the Council of Inklings on Facebook. And thank you to Ross Bugden for the use of our intro and outro music. All right, buddy. We've come to the end. 200 episodes down. What will the next 100, 200 bring? I don't know, man. Because like, I would have never predicted half the shit that, that went down. I guess you just can't predict right. the future, right? Who knows? I mean, totally, yeah. Who knows how long we'll continue it, but like I can't I can't see us stopping for 200 to, you know, beyond. Who know? I really don't know. It's more likely to change form a little bit in the future than it is to stop, at least for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see what the future holds, but it's been quite a journey. And uh, until next time, keep adapting. <laughs>